It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, it's the Luke and Pete show. Welcome, everybody. It's a Thursday, so I do hope you keep well, uh, whatever you might happen to be doing on a Thursday. Well done for doing that thing, or not doing that thing. Maybe you're um, abstaining from something important like um, lifelong alcoholism or drug abuse. Um, good on you for, for not doing that anymore. Um, but if you are indulging in a bit of drug abuse or, or, or drinking, um, if you're enjoying it, carry on. So <laughs> fine. Um, it's Luke's here. You all right, mate? Yeah, I'm just rusty. <laughs> I've been away for a week. I don't so know what's I th- going on. I think, I think uh, while overall the decision to replace Pete Donaldson with a Pete Donaldson algorithm has gone well, it occasionally mm. does backfire like just that intro. And what I would say is, yeah, it does. I need to tweak it a little bit. Um, yeah. I, 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 what I would say is there is a very fine line between use and abuse. So be careful. Yeah. yeah. Just to, I've said it before. Have one less until it's not a problem. Yeah, I, I think... Have one I baggy. Think... Have one little balloon of heroin less until it's not a problem. I think Pete has gone from being a user of the Luke and Pete show to now an abuser, <laughs> an abuser of the Luke, of Pete, the Luke show. and Pete show. And we all saw it coming, but we're all still shocked and disappointed that it has come yeah. to pass, yeah. Recording from my little cave. Oh, did you, did you see the man cave uh, in the uh, new... <laughs> in Grand Central Terminal in New York, right? The New York City Metropolitan Transportation Authority. Yeah. Um, they suspended um, three or four. I'm going to say it's going to be blokes in it. Railway workers. Mm. Um, they built their own little secret man cave in an old storage room in an old cupboard. Yeah. Under the Grand Central Terminal, they made yeah. a little break room with um, a TV, a futon, a refrigerator, a microwave, an air mattress. Um, had all of these things in a little. They made a little man cave for themselves. What's wrong with that? And. Well, uh, the none of the um, microwave or the television uh, are, are checked by any independent authority, so they may start a fire and kill a lot of people. Um, okay, what's wrong with it apart from that? <laughs> <laughs> and also, and also, the three specific employees would hang out and get drunk and party. Well, they're supposed to be working. Just three blokes having a great time, pretty much. Yeah, Pete, I'm sorry, mate. I'm, I am many, many things, and I've got many, many flaws. Most of which you've laid bare on this show, and that's fair enough. Mm. But I am not a hypocrite, so for that reason, I will not be criticising these men. <laughs> well, the fire brigade said that, uh, I love the quote, the fire brigade uh, considered an unmapped room for which no one appears to have the key. Very dangerous. <laughs> no, one has, no one has the key. How does anyone get in then? No one has the yeah, Good point. Well, some people have the key. Pete, can I just yeah. say, um, I worked at a supermarket for uh, several years 
And I had some exploits, not quite as involved as that, but I did have no. a couple of good blags, which I, I was able to, to successfully kind of carry out. One was um, building... So basically, the, at the back of the supermarket, they didn't have enough space for um, all the stock in the warehouse because I think it was in the 90s, so it might not have been quite just-in-time production, which is kind of, you know, they, they basically had to stock a lot of stock out back. Mm. So they bought these two big shipping containers, right? And so I, over a period of time, me and this guy called Dave, who was a bit older than me, um, who is now, I think, a marine biologist. He's done very well for himself. But anyway, mm. then he was kind of working full-time at a supermarket, as was I. Um, we, over a period of time, Pete, took um, a couple of big packs of toilet roll each into this shipping container until we could build up yeah. a massive kind of almost like double um, kind of bed thing of, of toilet roll. It sounds gay. Nice. It's not gay. Uh, and and, um, <laughs> and we, um, we used to lie down on it for breaks when we had hangovers. Yeah. And every time someone walked past... Mummy and Daddy special cuddles. Yeah, we used to, every time someone walked past, we used to shout out random numbers like we were doing a stock take and no one ever <laughs> stopped us. And and secondly, I uh, am not entirely proud of this one, but at, at one of the supermarkets I worked at, it was massive, and um, no one really knew, no one really kept tabs on you because the shop was so big. And my job was generally just to fill up um, the shelves with re- replenish the shelves. Yeah, and I had a really bad hangover one day on a Sunday, and my shift was ten till four. So I came in at ten, hung up my jacket, put my badge on, went out onto the shop floor, said hello to the manager, uh, and then went home again. Uh, came back at about half three and did half an hour at the end, and no one noticed. <laughs> well, so I, I can't want... criticize these guys, can I? No, and 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 yeah, I I would. What's the um? Is the marine biologist friend of yours um now making little caves for himself? Like yeah, With hiding in crabs. a big shell, hermit crabs underneath, yeah. underneath, underneath. <laughs> you know those big like massive shells that uh, mermaids live in, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um and yeah, those. He always he does have he does permanently have scallops on his tits. Yeah. Okay. I understand. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. Did you? So, what? Oh. You can. You can seriously. Surely, you can't find it within yourself to criticise these guys at the, at the subway for doing this. Oh, it's very creative. I mean, I, the fact that they've. No, I think the thing that will have made um, the uh, authorities um, they, they'd be most offense, offended by it. The fact that they not only had a television in there, um, they'd affixed a visa bracket to the wall to put the television onto the wall yeah. uh, which I think is is disrespectful how are they getting how are they getting a the signal good point I think it's just Netflix mate I think it's just yeah, pre- it maybe be. pre-record Netflix bit of Wi-Fi don't know yeah. but it's they've done it out lovely it has to be said done it out lovely I'll have a look at that later by the way have you seen that since you were away I've um, launched my own political party Oh, have you now? Good. Oh, right. Yeah. You're going to raise your tax returns to to reclaim <laughs> apparently to reclaim British values uh, uh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just. Just. Oh, is this? Um. Is this the um, Lawrence Fox? What was it? Lawrence Fox. Yeah. What's he up to now? He started a, a political party. He says that um, politi- <laughs> politicians have lost touch with the people, and they want to reclaim British values. So he's starting his own <laughs> political party now. Look, when he says that the political class have lost touch with the people, I'm sure there's merit in that argument. What I like mm. is that he thinks that he's the person to repair that. And that he's he's claimed 
that he's um, received £5 million in funding so far, which to me <laughs> is a stretch because in five minutes I was able to look at his Patreon and see that he only had 179 Patreons. So <laughs> I'm not sure that if only 179 people are going to pay for a Lawrence Fox mug and early access to some of his singer-songwriter compositions, I don't know £5 million worth are going to think about his political views and that he's the man to save the country politically. I'm just putting it no. out there. No, I'd, I'd never seen that guy act until I watched, um, it was like a, it was a, an edition of some kind of like ITV procedural detective drama. Um, and, yeah, wasn't um, it Morse, like Lewis or something like that? Morse, yes. It's Lewis, right. I think, which is so a follow-up that- to Morse. Is it? Was he Lewis? I don't know. But either way, it was. Uh, yeah, I watched. I watched. I watched a bit of that, and I'd never really seen him act before. And he, I mean, very ordinary. <laughs> I was like, I thought he was this kind of great Hollywood kind of star, but no, just just very very ordinary, very mm. ordinary chap. He also he oh. also famously said um, that. It, I mean, the, the thing about this, right? All these people who kind of do this type of thing, whether it mm. be you know your Tommy Robinsons. Or whoever it may be, right? They've got, they've got. In my view, they've got appalling views, and they're, they're abhorrent, and all the rest of it. Why are they always so stupid? Like I, the thing, the thing about it is, one of the things about I think one of the things about a hallmark of someone who's clever is that they don't pretend to know the stuff they don't know, right? So I would fall foul mm. that you and I, Pete, probably aren't clever because we talk shit about stuff all the time. Clever mm. people know what they know, and they just say they don't know about the stuff, and they're not insecure about it, right? Lawrence Fox, mm. who wants to run a political party that he, mm. in his own image and his own words is to reclaim the politics for British people, has also said, in his opinion, it was odd, in quotes, to show a Sikh soldier in a First World War film, despite the fact that 130,000 Sikhs from the British <laughs> Army during the war. So he's it, not even done the basic of most basic of give research. It, give it a Google. I mean, I mean, I just type turban, war, like just anything. <laughs> just, just do, just do. Just, just have a cursory glance so nobody laughs at you. Because he had to apologise then, didn't he? He had to actually apologise for the stupid thing that he just said. It's yeah. just like you're ridiculous. You're a yeah. ridiculous man. I'd vote for you. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd vote for your political. Cheers, party. mate. You know, when Marcus Rashford like did all that stuff for kids getting their um, school meals. You could do yeah. that, but it would just be frozen sausages. Wires. It'd be USB. <laughs> everyone, everyone gets a USB. Everyone gets a everyone USB gets, port behind their ear. Everyone's get, everyone gets a micro USB uh, device. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you see that guy? Did you, um, one of the stories you put, we probably missed um, last week. I don't know whether you guys uh, touched on it. I, I had limited time to listen to all of the Stakhanov uh, stable. Um, police in Vietnam are picking up that person who'd, um, who had something like Quarter of a million, over a quarter of a million used condoms. Oh yeah, this this broke after, after that. Sadly, uh, yeah, we, haven't, we haven't covered it. Tell me uh, about it. Uh, uh, um, yeah, basically, uh, some uh, police in Vietnam broke up a, a criminal ring um, that it basically collected used condoms, rinsed them, and then and then resold them. Uh, that is not what you want to hear. No. That is not what you want to hear. How do you re-roll they, them up? They, um, you um, well, you boil them in water. According to the woman who was detained, uh, you boil them in water and then you dry them out and then you reshape them on a, on a wooden phallus, uh, and then and then <laughs> off you go. I mean, it seems like a lot. It's like um, when they found like a some like really cheap um, like Chinese um, uh, kind of out, out in rural areas in the little villages. People were selling fake eggs. Um, and what? so people would be making out of this plastic. I've, we spoke about this before on the show, I'm sure. But 
it's not a long egg, but a fake egg, like these eggs that are made of proteins or plastics, and they, they kind of acted like this, like an egg. And it's like, just fucking get an egg. Yeah. Like it's it just seems like a like to to to, to fashion a, a, a um, an ovum or whatever, and, and and shell and all that stuff, and and then have and then make it look like an egg and put it in an egg box. Just get a fucking hen. Like I I I worry about the the the, the overheads. I'm They've pretty sure you can buy a chicken. It. I'm pretty sure you can buy a hen for like a yeah. quid. Yeah, uh, or less. I mean, presumably at scale. But um, yeah, I'm fascinated. And they'll by make loads of eggs. The, the thought processes <laughs> they do. They do teach a man to fish and all that business. Yeah. Very strange. Do you behavior. think it's weird though that if you if you were to say, for example, if you were to type into the Google um, buy chicken, you'd probably get served mm. loads of stuff which would be like chicken breasts or chicken thighs, so you could buy them and eat them, right? Yeah. If you were to type buy chickens, you'd get live chickens, yeah. wouldn't you? Isn't that quite a weird quirk of language? Um, is it? I don't know. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's just how we say chicken versus chickens. No, but if you wanted so, like, to buy, no, chicken if you is to f- buy chicken to cook in a curry tonight, what would you type into Google if you had to buy it off the internet? You call, you type why chicken, would I, wouldn't why you? Why would I type it into Google? I mean, who types chicken into Google? Ch- chicken the food, chickens the uh, being. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is a weird thing. How come yeah. the plural the plural of it is the live version of it? It doesn't make any sense. I'm fairly certain that, the, again, the Chinese, the, their word for meat is just pork because they eat so much pork. Oh um, really? I'm fair, I might be wide of the mark on that one, but I'm fairly certain I read that somewhere. And and uh, I think last year, something like a third of all of their pigs died of of, of the swine flu. Right. Um, and no one really talks about it because obviously you know there's trade embargoes and obviously COVID has overtaken it. But um, the biggest, you know, it, it's their main, it's their main meat. Um, it's their main meat. Yeah. Um, You're and, my yeah, there's main the, meat. The, 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 there's their main meat. And uh, yeah, third, I think um, a third of them all died of, of this horrible swine flu. So. Get well soon, pigs. <laughs> well, they're dead. They can't get well soon. They're dead, can they? No, no. <laughs> In yeah. many ways, though, that's it... what they've been. That's what they've been bred to do, right? To die, so people can eat them. Exactly. That's um, their very much their sad destiny. Speaking of um, of uh, China, I've just finished reading the book. Well, actually, I finished reading it a couple of weeks ago. Do you remember I told you? I might not have told you on the show. I was reading a book by Patrick Radden Keefe called "Say Nothing" about the, about Northern Ireland. Oh right, yeah, and. Um, it's, it's really interesting. It's like the story of the, the, the troubles through like a couple of different families, and it's really interesting. So I, I carried on because what happened was I, I listened to Wind of Change, which is a podcast series he presented, which is brilliant. So I, exactly, um, I know what you mean. Um, and yeah. then I read, so then I found this book, Say Nothing, which I think won a couple of awards, which is really, um, really interesting. And then I read a book of his called The Snakehead, which is about mm. um, the. Um, the it's kind of it's not trafficking because it, they 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 the people involved wanted to do it. It's like human, um, basically it's like illegal immigration of Chinese people to America throughout the eighties and nineties, and how mm. it was done by these people called snakeheads who were these organisers in like places like Chinatown, New York City, um, who would organise for people to um, to travel from China to to, to the US, and um, it's absolutely fascinating, like really really interesting um, how. Um, what the culture's like and how Chinatown operates and lots of different kind of organized crime involved, but also just people trying to make a new start for themselves and get a better life and all the rest of it. It's, it's honestly really fascinating. It's called the Snakehead by Patrick Braddon Keith. I would recommend it if you haven't, if you haven't looked at it, Pete, you'd bloody love it. Mm, no, that sounds absolutely fascinating. And are you going to pass it on when you finish? 
I have finished. You, I will pass on Kindle? on. No, I've, I don't read on the Sweet. Kindle. I, I read on the old paper. The problem I find with the Kindle is you can't show off to people about the books you're reading. So what's the point of that? <laughs> well, I just walk up and down the tube carriage shelf, waving it around. Yeah, no, I should do. In, in massive font. Imagine if, imagine if someone was doing like a like a piece for uh, BBC News or something or Sky News, and instead of like a book book and like loads of bookshelves uh, of like books, um, you just had one Kindle in the middle of empty, <laughs> loads of empty bookshelves. <laughs> All you need, mate. I, um, Not you need. There's no point chucking a Kindle under your wing and walking through Central London, is it? You can't show off doing that. <laughs> but you know what? Speaking of that, I, I can't quite remember what band it was, so I don't want to libel anyone, but not that it's probably libelous anyway. But I remember being at a nightclub in a club night in Central London maybe 15 years ago. Do you remember that club night, Frog? Uh, yes. Was that Camden Frog? No, it was in, um, I want to say, I think it was Me, in, Fiddler? Me Fiddler or the Astoria or something. Me Fiddler, right. Yeah. And, um, yeah. For those who are unaware of Frog, which will probably be most of you, in central London, I think it was either a, I think it was a Friday night, they would have this night called Frog, um, quite a big venue, maybe a thousand people or whatever, and it'll be mm. they play like indie music and stuff. But at midnight, uh, a band would come on, and they'd normally be pretty good, and you'd never know who it's going to be, right? So sometimes the Lilies. No, sometimes it was once. like a really big band. Like sometimes it would be like yeah. someone big, and um, mm. I and, and and a lot of other bands used to go there. And I remember seeing a guy from one of those bands around that time, I forget who it was now, who was very pretentious and was sat mm. in the nightclub at the bar reading like a reading a like yeah, penguin classic, like something like, like reading like Edgar Allan Poe or something. Yeah. And it was just I remember even yeah, yeah. at the time yeah. thinking, right. even for me, that is horrifically pretentious. <laughs> you've taken yeah, you've definitely taken a misstep there, haven't you, buddy? Wouldn't work though, but Put what I'm trying away. to say, if he, if he was if he was on a Kindle, would it be a different experience? Probably not. He'd still be a bell end, but the point stands. <laughs> <laughs> I used to spend a lot of time in Infinity Club at uh, Madame Jo uh, sorry, uh, not Madame Georgios, it was the thing that would change to me. White Heat. White Heat. Do you remember? Oh that? yeah, yeah, I do, Madame yeah. Madame George. Yeah, yeah. Um, you spend a lot of time following um, the man who was Joel. He was the drummer at the Pipettes. And oh, Jolene. Jolene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Jolene. Um, uh, and he and, and we see him every, every now and again. And um, you, the sort of people you think are cool at the time, then you look back and you're like, oh, is everyone, was everyone cool? They probably weren't, were they? Nah. That was a very uncool time looking back on it, wasn't it? Yes, and Indy Landfill, isn't it, mate? Yeah. Indy Landfill, the the, the 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 lashback starts here. The Everything was shit in the noise. Do people call it a lashback? I'm I'm, I'm calling it a lashback. <laughs> well, you know, I, I read something, Colin. I think it was on Vice the other day about twenty landfill indie bands or something, and I was genuinely yeah. upset about a couple of them. I thought there's a couple of them that is poor by you to call them landfill indie. You can't say good shoes. Fuck off. You can't say the future heads. Maximal Park. Indie. Fuck off. Yeah, exactly. Bullshit. Absolute bullshit. Yeah. yeah. But but then everyone shared it though, didn't they? And then at the end, someone put it on Spotify, the playlist. You know, the Vice One. That that writer, he's getting a little bit more in his in his paycheck that this week. They always win, don't they, Vice? At the end of the day, they always win, unless of course it's to do with the treatment of their employees. Uh, let's move on to, um, <laughs> mate. No, they still win. <laughs> okay, yeah, sorry. They they still yeah, win. Yeah, that's true. The, the employees don't win. No, that's yeah. true. Um, particularly <laughs> if they're women. Um, if if um, if you want to go back to COVID, which I presume you do, do Pete, because everything goes back to COVID at the end of the day. Have okay, you seen right. that dogs can now sniff it out? Oh, so exciting. 99% accuracy. I've read close the to 100% sweat. accuracy. I suppose 99% is close well, to that's 100%. Well, that's 99 You've exposed my maths. Yeah. Um, yeah. Incredible. This is a couple of little dogs. It's Denmark, isn't it? Is it Denmark? Is it Denmark? Finland, um, I think. Finland. Yeah. 
all them lot, all them lot. And, like, imagine what an adorable place that would be where, you know, dogs just spend all of their time. But the, the problem is I, I eat a lot of sausages um, mm. as as And you carry a lot of drugs in your pocket, to, don't you? So that will be well, tested. for the dog. <laughs> Well, they can only be trained on one thing at a time. So if you're either a COVID dog or you're a semi. No, I can dog, imagine right? people. Well, tra- I can imagine like a, an obvious like drug trafficker walking through an airport with dogs around, just screaming, "I've got COVID! It's COVID! I've got COVID!" <laughs> oh dearie me! So for those yeah, who haven't seen incredible. the story, um, um, there's a pilot scheme in Helsinki Airport in Finland, um, which has, has concluded that dogs can identify the virus in seconds using fewer molecules than is used for the test itself, with close to 100% accuracy. Four COVID-19 sniffer dogs begun work at Helsinki Airport in a state-funded pilot scheme um, should, hopefully, uh, according to researchers, provide a cheap, fast, and effective alternative me- uh, method of testing people. Um it's unreal. I mean, I, you know, I I've, I've heard something incredible. about dogs being able to sniff out certain types of diseases in the past, mm. but this is an amazing, uh, amazing development, really, isn't it? Can't, it, it, it can't like they've, they've been known to sort of, you know, smell cancers and stuff, like yeah. there's, there's, because obviously we sweat um, slightly differently when we've got when we've got different things wrong with us. But yeah, like it inhibits certain certain I don't know flavors or something or, or, or scents. Incredible. Well, in response uh, like, to this, and, my, my two cats f- continue as ever to do absolutely fuck all. Fuck all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I just cannot. I, I love the fact that um, dogs will save us all because they're brilliant. And um, I just love the fact that they're, uh, it says inexpensive. I think it is going to be quite expensive to get that amount of dogs at that amount of airports in that amount. Because you, if you're using it at airports, use it everywhere else. Yeah, but the problem so is, streets, Pete, I think, I think, yeah, that's that's probably true, but it depends what level of, tr- what kind of, what's your cutoff here? Can, can, uh, mm. What I want to know is the detail. Can any dog do it? Mm. So if I if I, my next door neighbour's got a dog, can I just get that dog, get it to my house, do what they're saying yeah. here, swab something on the back of your neck, let the dog sniff it, will it bark if I've got COVID, or do they need to be trained? Presumably they need to be trained. Yes, they... <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's not really cost-effective because, you know, training dogs take a, it takes a very long time. No, nah, it will and be it's, effective. It's... it's much more effective than working on that. Surely it's much more effective to have a dog do it. Or just have a, have a, a testing a facility. Having a testing facility. You gotta check in, you know, an hour or two hours before your flight anyway. Get a get a testing facility at the airport and then you're then you're absolutely golden, surely. Speaking of that, did you also see that um a load of people, I think particularly in the Far East, have started taking flights literally to nowhere. Have you seen that? No. So people who like aviation enthusiasts in some parts of the Far East, I believe, possibly Australia as well, are now able to pay to get on a plane, fly around for two hours and land back where they started uh, because they miss aviation so much. And so they're just doing that. I, yeah, I, I, I could see that. If that was a big part of your lifestyle, um, the the freedom of sort of thing like you, you're going somewhere is very... Uh, could it save the um... aviation industry? Probably not. <laughs> But it probably won't save the fucking planet. No, it won't. that kind of behaviour. Yeah. Fuck me. Imagine Jesus. that. Imagine that. Like when everyone, when the when the when the Earth burns up due to climate change, and everyone gets gets to the pearly gates, and um and, and God, who is the God of many different worlds all around the universe, says, so how mm. did this planet sort of come to an end? Uh, we just took a load of flights landing where we took <laughs> off from. Right, get out. You're not coming in because that is the no. worst one yet. 
They're like the people who um, want to keep their frequent flyer miles or to keep their um, like premier um, status on their particular um, flight provider, um, their particular airplane company. They, they, they take flights that they don't need. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I, ridiculous I, um, set I've got – I believe that BA are running a scheme where you can defer any flight you want up until August 2021, the day before you're due mm. to travel because of COVID concerns. So yeah, it's kind of I mean, a halfway they, I mean, You can't get a refund, but you can change it up. Well, they 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 sort of you. Uh, I had a flight booked um, to Japan uh, now, pretty much. Oh, do you like Japan? Obviously, that's. I've 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 been known to flirt with it. Are you, no, sorry, are you yeah. gonna, are you going to are you going to um, complain about some kind of holiday disruption just three hours into the working week, the first day back from holiday? <laughs> Is that what you're about to do? That's exactly what I'm about to do. I'm just, I'm just complaining about the fact that um, BA suddenly made it very difficult to uh, to um, contact them. Oh, we, the, the, yeah. the, the state of our status of our staff are very important. Yeah. Um, so we've we've we, we've brought all of the numbers together into one big number that you ring, and then they say, "Sorry, we're too busy. You've yeah, got, you have to fuck off oh, now. Oh, save us, <laughs> save us. You did not give a fucking shit three years ago when I was trying to change flights because my wife lived in a different country. So get fucked. Um, we should take a quick. We should take a quick break actually because we forgot to we better oh, yeah. do one now and then when we come back we'll do some emails no i make no apology people i'm just really pleased to have you back on the show mate having a good time having a good time join me melissa reddy and listen to my brand new podcast between the lines every week i'll be speaking to the biggest names in football about the captivating behind the scenes stories fans want to hear from major talking points to untold anecdotes, you'll hear from some of football's leading stars as well as those working in the shadows. In our first episode, I spoke to former Spurs manager Maurizio Pochettino about that Amazon documentary. We feel responsible because it was uh, very difficult to say yes to open the door to Amazon. Only we watch with Jesus the 25 minutes first because it was until we uh, left the club. And on our latest episode, I investigate how prevalent and damaging social media abuse is in football. And I was like taking all this negativity onto myself and I did. I kind of lost myself in my personality because I knew everything that was going on around it. And it's not until I actually got to a stage where I thought, I can't take this anymore. It is becoming too much for me that I spoke out about it. Craving football insight? Well, look no further. Listen to Between the Lines with me, Melissa Reddy, via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. This was a Stakhanov production. And we're back. It is the Luke and Pete show. If you would like to get in touch with the show, and by touch, I mean send us an email. Uh, it's hello at lukeandpeteshow.com. That's L U K A N D. P-E-T-E show. No, it's not. Com. It's not that. You missed the what E off it? Luke. It's hello at Luke and Pete. Oh, Don't spell no. it out. You just confuse people. And um, look up it. Send us send us a COVID dog. Send us a can your dog do something fantastic? Have you built yourself a little cave in your place of work <laughs> where you go for a snooze and do terrible things to yourself? Let us know. <laughs> what terrible things would you do to yourself, Pete? 
I think we all know. Bryn has got in touch. Hello, <laughs> uh, Bryn. Uh, currently listening to the latest episode of the Jim and Luke show, RIP Pete. Luke casually just used the term meat raffle in conversations surrounding a pub in Portsmouth. I absolutely need more information. For context, I'm a resident of Washington, D.C., and I'm not particularly well-versed in some of the more niche oddities from across the pond. Excuse me. Yeah. Is this uh, exclusively a British event? Whose meat is being raffled? What sort of animals have met such a bleak demise? I don't think any animal... It's you know their their big plan is to just go into meat raffles. Yeah. But what does one pay to enter a meat raffle? Is there a substantial refrigerator space to carry out a meat raffle at a pub, or do you win a room temperature disease-ridden hunk of mystery meat? I'm led to believe it's grim up north, but this is happening on the south coast. What sort of raffles are happening in and around Hartlepool? Many fish based, to be honest, uh, from a my perspective, yeah. uh, uh, Brim. I await your explanation eagerly. I'm concerned I might not get any helpful answers by Googling meat raffle. Uh, thank you for your attention to this uh, matter. It's it's just a meat raffle, Bryn. You, yeah, you I love the way that meat. Bryn's kind of referring to the UK like it's some kind of still living in some kind of medieval era. Like, <laughs> basically, what, for those of you who don't know what a meat raffle is, which could be anyone listening outside the UK, I suppose, mm. is that it's traditional for people to go to the pub on a Sunday here, or it always was, and you'd have a couple of pints before your Sunday lunch or whatever because mm. it'd be a local pub at the end of your street so the meat raffle was literally be like a raffle where you buy a ticket and there's lots of different joints of meat you can win and then if you get if you win one of them you get to take it home and cook it for your sunday sunday dinner that's the idea um and, yeah, and- is it? i thought it was just like you just win some meat because meat's um you know meat's a bit of a premium uh good meat, yeah, yeah, no, good meat these days is hard to find yeah that is true is but the pub, the pub i'm talking about was specifically it was like oh you know you're gonna have a few pints before your sunday roast so why don't you use this amazing piece of meat that you've just got for free for your sunday roast um mm. and i suppose there's no real um reason you couldn't use it later in the week apart from possibly as Bryn's alluded to some some questionable refrigeration techniques um but <laughs> if it's beef you want it at room temperature when you start cooking it anyway so it doesn't contract and get yeah. tough so of course you do i just realized by the way it's been on my mind since i told the story at the beginning that um you know that story about the old um toilet rolls in the shipping container and my older male colleague do you think i was being mm. groomed well, it, whose decision was it to make the um, the, the little? I think it was all castle. consensual. I'm just, I just, I just alluded to it at the start mm. that nothing, 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 you know, untoward happened. Untoward happened, but it could. I yeah. mean, I said it wasn't gay. I didn't I, listen. I didn't think it was gay, but I suppose it could have been. Well, to what two boys just bedding down like a little kind of um, lying down um, toilet rolls, market based nest. No one else around. Yeah, it's a little kind of soft, soft, <laughs> soft little Andrex nest that you've made for yourself. Well, it's supposed to be working. It, it's a little. It's a little boy manger, little boy manger. Yeah, for, there was no, there was no room at the warehouse, so mm. the immaculate conception of uh, my Sunday job at, <laughs> at that supermarket had to had to take place outside in a manger, and by manger yeah. I mean shipping container. Um, <laughs> it's I, a grim, it's a grim image. It is, isn't it? Yeah. And speaking of um, Bryn saying, "Oh, it's grim up north." I mean, most people would agree with the assessment that Portsmouth is almost like a northern town in the south anyway. Yeah. So it kind of yeah, does very it, similar to Hartlepool. Yeah, exactly. It does it does it does um it does bear scrutiny. Um speaking of pubs though, um Kevin's been in touch mm. who says I don't know we've heard from many Kevins over the years. I mean I don't how I old are you Kevin? A few. Let us know because I don't <laughs> think that many people are called Kevin these days. Um, mm. Hello, the Pete and the Luke. Uh, hearing Luke's harrowing pool story. Um, this is a story, Pete, about how I was bullied into playing pool in a really rough pub against a man um, for money uh, when I didn't want to. Uh, Kevin says, when he was at uni, uh, living in a less than desirable part of High Wycombe, 
I know it well. Uh, my housemates and I set out to find a place to watch some football. It was the World Cup playoffs and Ireland were playing France. Yes, that game. I guess he's referring to the um, Thierry Henry handball. Uh, being Irish, said Kevin, I was intent on witnessing our big moment. I can't remember why. But our usual spots weren't showing the game. So quickly running out of options, we ended up in the White Horse, one of Britain's premier strip pubs. Oh. I, know, I know the White Horse well because it, it shows, it does um, it does um, live gigs as well. And I used to manage a band that were from High Wycombe and we went there a few times. Um, the White Horse in Wycombe is famous for a variety of reasons, says Kevin. The Kings of Leon played their first UK gig there and rate it among their favourite ever shows. Uh, closer to reality, though, it was featured in the classic 2000s-style documentary, Britain's Toughest Pubs. That is a great documentary series, that. Um, yeah. I've included the link where you can hear the landlord, Paul, showcasing his pride and joy. Highlights including uh, his perverted dog, uh, the bathroom facilities including an invisible toilet seat and invisible toilet rolls, thoughtfully installed for the loyal clientele. The only TV in the place was effectively a bench against a wall with the screen on either side of the room with a pool table in between. Settling into a nervous game, only one goal down from the first leg, I watched a game with gritted teeth and an overpowering anxiety. Ireland took the lead in the first half, ratcheting up the tension. But deep into the second half, a sinewy tattooed figure uh, made his way over to us. And after a few minutes of extremely awkward conversation, he insisted one of us play pool with him. All of us ignored his request, but undeterred, he walked up to me, jabbed me in the chest and said, give me a fucking game of pool, Paddy. Um, naturally, <laughs> naturally, I complied. He had no coin, so of course I paid. I was, for I was forced to play while Thierry Henry handled France into the World Cup. Any delay in taking my shots when the shot went close, any inclination I wasn't trying or a sign of discontent were met with gruff warnings to crack on and concentrate. That will go down as the most, one of the most depressing nights of my life from start to finish, an absolute misery. A quick Google seems to indicate the White Horse is still going strong. I can only hope generations of students have had similar formative experiences in one of Britain's national treasures. Love the show. A big fan <laughs> of Stakhanov Stable of podcast, Kevin. Absolutely chilling from start to finish that one. Just the, is this going to go south? We'll have to fight somebody. Um, I don't really want to watch pool. And also my football team playing. It's just, yeah. just horrific. I've never, Pete, I've Absolutely never once awful. experienced the atmosphere of tension and aggressiveness and machismo that you get in most provincial pubs, or you used to at least, on a weekend night. That You never get that. You don't really get that in London, do you? Um, it, um, there's a few pubs around Wembley where, but that is Wembley. It's way out there. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, so people at Wembley, Holloway Road used to be a bit spicy. Um, yeah, but I don't think it's, yeah. I agree, I used to spend a bit of time on Holloway Road, but I don't think it's the same way, I think there's something about a provincial town, I don't mean to be dismissive or, or patronising about it, I spent the first 24 years of my life in such mm. a town and, and used to go to the pubs all the time, I'm not saying I'm above it or whatever, I'm just saying the tension and the atmosphere that you tend to get used to when you don't know any different yeah. doesn't appear to exist as consistently in pubs in London for no, some reason. No, because, it, well, I think because um, a lot of people in London, a lot of naughty boys um, <laughs> go around tilled up. So if there are certain You're not the biggest fish in the pond, basically, when you're in London. Well, certainly in my hometown, if you're in a, in a, if you're in a rough pub, if, you, if you're in any pub in, in, in Hartlepool, there are certain people on a, on a Friday or a Saturday night, their evening isn't complete until they've had a fight, a kebab, and uh, a lot of drink. And, and that yeah. is their night. You know, they're up for it. 
they're, they're doing coke they, they want to fight yeah um and that's kind of, that's kind of their thing um but in 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 london in, in the inner cities in, in your in your big birmingham's and your manchester's you, you might run into someone who's um a little bit more stabby than you you are you just yeah. wanted to fight they wanted a little stab stab and you're in trouble so yeah that's I, how we I met isn't it you a bit more <laughs> yeah i brought a gun to a knife fight exactly. and uh, we came we, for we, a shoot Happy for a shootout. Nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, All right, yeah. Pete, I think that's about as much as we've got time for this week. I know, right? We've run out again. I hope people have a well, lovely... Yeah, well, time flies when you're having fun, mm. and I hope people have a yeah, lovely weekend. Yeah. Um, lovely. We'll be back on Monday, of course. Uh, do stay locked on to the Luke and Pete Show, as people used to say in 90s radio shows. Hello at LukeandPeteShow.com <laughs> is the email address. Um, subscribe to us wherever you get your pods to make sure you don't miss an episode. I'm saying that in case you've just poked your head in for the first time. You're very welcome. Mm. It's a broad church. Um, get in touch. Let us know how you're getting on. Um, let us know anything you want us to talk about on the show. We'll be back on Monday. Say goodbye, Pete Donaldson. Keep it locked. And goodbye from me as well. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. 